Welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor, Flobo Boys in the mayor's office, hanging out with creators, thinkers, and doers. But my guest is thinking and doing <laughs> for a whole career. Please welcome Paula J. Parker, one of the stars of The Miracle Before Christmas. How's it going? What up, Flobo? Hey. How you doing, baby? Hey. It, Thank you for holiday. having me. I'm feeling good. Uh, as we record this, it's about, what, five days away? Six days away from Christmas? Yes. Huh? It's crazy because my son doesn't get out of school until that Thursday before oh, Christmas. Wow. Is that yeah. crazy? Like, I think yeah. his last day is the 22nd, and then Christmas yeah. is on the 25th. What is oh, wow. this world coming to? I'm <sighs> like, what? Can we have a little bit of time to go visit some folks to, like, chill out? So we haven't even put our Christmas tree up yet. Um, oh, that's yeah. that's just yeah, what's going on over in my house? <laughs> but we're going to, to, we're going to. But I like to wait for him to be able to go pick it out with us. And you know, on the weekends, he's playing baseball or okay. kicking it with his friends or homework. So we usually waited until he got out of school to go get our tree. So now. You know, we're not going to get our tree until late, so we probably won't take it down until, I don't know, you know how we people <laughs> that you yeah. love are, yeah. maybe 4th of July? Probably. <laughs> the tree is all brown and everything. No, uh, we're doing our first artificial tree this year. Okay, great, great, great. So, I grew so, up with an artificial tree in Cleveland. I'm okay. from Cleveland, the land Let's back go. there. Yeah. Oh, hey. But yes, I currently call California home. Thank you, Callie, for welcoming me and um, loving me up. So yeah, my girlfriend, my I was raised with an artificial tree. My mom, okay. she's Libra, fancy pants. So we always had like this white, beautiful tree. Oh, I see. That white she would there. put up, you know. We never went, we never did the Charlie Brown Christmas at my house because my mm -hmm. mom always went to the basement, got the tree, put it up every year and decorated it beautifully. So I think that's what we're going to do this year for the first time. We've already done the Charlie Browns. My kid is 14. He knows oh, wow. nobody's coming down the chimney. Right. Everything under the tree. He knows who put it there. So, did he believe in Santa in the past or just something yes, he that? Did. You, okay, okay, He cool. did. And okay. he believed that Santa was black. I, he's not? Well, he is. Yeah. And that was an issue for my son because Santa is black. Um, he's from Turkey and he relocated during his career as a toy maker to Germany, you know, and that's where the whole, you know, but Santa is a black man. And my son, well, of course, I went to Howard. I know these right. things, but, you know, it's nice. I, I just recently tweeted it because. The Halo app, which I'm a very spiritual person, I was born Catholic, it mm -hmm. talked about the fact that St. Nicholas, who is, mm -hmm. of course, Santa Claus, was from Turkey and a black man. And it just was, I was so impressed by the fact that this app had spoken so honestly about the origins of someone we have, you know, considered our entire lives to be a white chubby guy from mm -hmm. the North Pole. So my son being my son drew in the first grade Santa as being a black man. And <laughs> the little girl who was sitting next to him in class, she was a Pakistani girl. Um, her mother and myself are very good friends. She ripped up my son's painting of Santa portrayed as black 
and wow. was mad. And my son, being the, the gentleman, went off. He didn't knock her out. Because, you know, but he didn't knock her out. He didn't, you know, he just went off on right. the situation. And I was called. So it became meaningful to me that it was finally spoken of that Santa is a black man because her being from Pakistan is not that far from Turkey. And the True. fact that she reacted so violently as to rip up, not just say that's not true, but to rip it up as if it genuinely offended her for him to portray Santa as black because she had culturally been taught that Santa was supposed to be chubby and white. Why right. she cared what was going on in my son's world you know, is just another, you know, example of how we've been as people fed what they want us to believe versus the truth. Yeah. Not that it even matters what color Santa Claus is because he's not a real person. But the <laughs> fact that it was taught to us that he was Caucasian versus St. Nicholas, who is a black man, a man of color, you know, I think that speaks volumes about the lies that we've been taught as a culture, as Americans, as people, as black people. You know, I don't blame anyone living today. You know, we all inherited this world. It's not like, you know, some, I don't know, German guy that's still living said, we're gonna make Santa Claus white. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're gonna do. No, this is what we inherited. This is the world that we've been given. It's been, it's a world that has systematically tried to, you know, suppress the black man for thousands of years now. You know, if Jesus's death was maybe 2000 years ago, it's been thousands of years. So, yes, I guess all of this was to say Santa's a black guy. Right. And it As doesn't a... matter because, <laughs> you know, we're supposed to be celebrating Jesus, right? Yeah, the reason for the season. No, I, I asked you about the if if your son believed in because I know there's like a movement now to to yeah. tell children that he never existed. And I thought that was kind of you know, really? interesting about yeah, no. like I say, look, mom and dad got your gifts. Uh, the support I, was not Santa, uh, but it kind of cuts over the the, the legacy of Saint Nicholas. To be honest with you, it broke my heart when I found out that my mom had lied to me about the tooth fairy. Like <laughs> I genuinely thought the tooth fairy was real. And, you know, I'd leave my my teeth under the pillow and I'd wake up and, you know, my mom hooked me up. I wouldn't just have like a quarter or a dollar. I'd have like little makeup, you know, for little girls. You know, I'd have like, I'd have some real presents under there. So when I was on the bus and an older kid told me that the tooth fairy wasn't real, it really did. It really messed my head up. Like mm -hmm. it hurt. It broke my heart. And then it made me realize that my mom had been lying to me. And, you know, I was like, why would you do that? You made me look stupid in front of everybody. Like, that was my main objective. Like, okay, so she's not real. But you made me look like a fool by arguing them down that the tooth fairy was real. Like, so I understand what you're saying about this yeah. new movement. But, excuse me, I also believe that it's easier to help children believe in God when we start them off with something 
frivolous, maybe, right. you know, right. because I began my relationship with God young because my father died. It was easier for me to believe in a father that didn't exist than, you know, most people perhaps have a time with or didn't exist where I could see, mm -hmm. not didn't exist in, in reality. So mm -hmm. to me, to teach a child to believe in fairies and Santa Claus and dinosaurs is reality because anything that we can conceive came from somewhere. And it's not that Santa Claus did not exist. Santa Claus did exist. His name was St. Christopher, I mean, St. Saint Nicholas, <laughs> mm -hmm. and he was canonized um, as a saint because of his work with children. So he did exist. So let's not, you know, pretend like Santa didn't exist. The white chubby guy didn't exist with the, you know, the reindeer that fly, but every superstition, every thing that we've been taught existed in some way genuinely did exist like we didn't just pull santa out our butts that's that's my point there was a saint nick there was a santa we didn't just pull jesus out our tush there was a jesus there was you know these people existed dinosaurs did exist demons do exist we're not just making this stuff up we're not telling you to throw salt over your shoulder because somebody thousands of years knew that, you know, but there's something to every single superstition. And that's why I love, you know, Stevie's song, Very Superstitious, because <laughs> he's saying when we believe in things we don't understand, it's not when you believe in things that don't exist, it's that you don't understand why you believe in them. Why are we throwing salt over our shoulders? Because salt is of the earth and of the earth dispels negativity. So you throw salt over your shoulder in case there's some negativity behind you and you dispel it. Everything comes from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's all biblical as well. If you even look into the Bible, you'll see salt, you know, as the salt of the earth, the salt you know, when we, when we first started, you know, trading before money was even a thing or, or tangible money was a thing, we used salt. Salt was money. So to, you know, if you spill salt, that's like you're wasting a whole bunch of money. If I mm -hmm. spill salt, I can't use it. That's like $100 worth of salt on the ground. Right. So I'm going to throw a little over my shoulder. So it has, it has historical meaning as well as you know, a meaning of dispelling entities that do exist, you know, that, you know, so my point is, I don't agree with teaching children that Santa doesn't exist because number one, I do believe that it helps a child to live in their imagination when they're a child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just think like, I don't see the difference between teaching a child that Santa doesn't exist, but letting them watch cartoons and letting them see what the little pony, does the little pony exist? Does, does the Teletubbies exist? 
do, does right. Superman exist? Yeah. Does Spider-Man exist? But you can you can understand him watching this, but you can't understand, you know, teaching someone to dream, to believe in something that they can't touch or see. And that I think is the point of Christmas and the whole Santa thing. I, I think it's to help children use their imagination in tangible ways, kind of like creative visualization. You have right. to think it before you can achieve it. Before I could become an actress, I had to decide I wanted to be an actress. I had to see what that looked like within my own mind before I could manifest it in the real world. And that's what I think um, imagination does. You know? How'd you manifest? If you want me asking, are you a vision board person? Are you a yes, meditation person? Yes, I did. Um, my mom was raised like in my grandmother was a, a, a preacher. So my mom was raised in the Kajic faith, like straight up. Uh, she couldn't wear pants. You know, she couldn't join any after school activities. So when she became an adult, she went, she was drawn to the Unity Church, which is Norman Vincent Peale. It's um, kind of like religious science, but it's not, not Scientology. <laughs> it's the Unity Church. Right, right, right. Like you may get those Unity books in the mail where, you know, every day they give you a little scripture and then, you know, for that day, they'll give Actually, you... I have one of these here. I don't know if you can see this. Uh, I and that's daily... the church. Yes, yes, yeah. that is exactly <laughs> where it comes from. Yeah. So they're the church that created the whole vision board, the whole concept of seeing it before you can achieve it. So, yes, I was doing vision boards at nine years old, and I put Paula Abdul on my vision board. And there was a, a basketball player that I wanted to meet. I put him on my vision board. And I, I kid you not, I ended up meeting the basketball player. But I ended up manifesting the type of lifestyle that I wanted that I related to another Paula, Paula Abdul. And the basketball player, I, I, I put on my vision board that I was going to marry this basketball player. I didn't even know who he was, but that was in my 11-year-old, 9-year-old mind you know, the journey that I wanted to take, you know, become an actress like Paula Abdul. Well, she was more, I think I really wanted to be a singer um, and then marry this basketball player. I ended up meeting the ba the basketball player yeah. and not being interested. Like, <laughs> like I manifested this guy in my life, but I was like, each time I met him, it was like, I'm good, you know, but the point is, and I ended up having these opportunities but i realized as i became an adult that as you change your vision changes mm -hmm. so as i experienced dating athletes i realized that wasn't my journey and so even though i manifested what i put on my vision board i realized it wasn't god's vision for me it was what i thought i wanted yeah. so i manifested it but then I was like, uh, I'm good. Yeah. So yeah. I, I create a new vision board as soon as I manifest something that I either liked or I didn't want. Or as soon as I manifest something on that vision board, I create a new vision board. Because we're constantly manifesting.
that's that's definitely true. So so walk walk me through the career then, because you, you manifested being an actress. You've done that in spades for decades. But you get the phone call for this one here, America Before Christmas. Is that something you're manifesting into a holiday film quite like this? Or is this part of another kind of manifestation? I think I expect, was or? manifesting BET. Okay. You know, I I've it's been a while since I've been I've worked with BET, like just BET and I. We used to have a really, really great, you know, relationship. And I haven't, you know, worked with BET in a long time. So when the opportunity came across my table to do a miracle before Christmas, it was a no brainer. First of all, my baby, you know, Romeo was on a show that I'm currently, that currently got rebooted called The Proud Family. So I know Mm -hmm. we raised you, Flo. Yeah. yeah, you grew up watching The Proud Family a little bit. My friends had cable. I did not. When I went over to their house, I would definitely you did you know, watch Disney it. Channel. Yay. Yeah. So <laughs> Romeo was on The Proud Family when he was a baby. So it was a no-brainer when they called me. Like I was not the first person picked. They already had Latoya Luckett, and I was like, oh whoa, you know, a huge Destiny's Child fan. Hello, and. Out of the whole Destiny's Child, you know, thing, I thought LaToya had handled it like a true G, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why I appreciate LaToya Luckett. Because after that, she got into acting, you know? And I appreciate anyone who has enough courage to try. And not only did she try, but I think she's very, very talented. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I am a fan of talent. So there was a yes for Romeo. Then there was a yes for Latoya. And then, come on now. Come on now. Silverthroat. Oh, yeah. We are not going to play with Mr. David Keith, honey. (laughs) Of course. I was just watching the other day. There's something about Mary. You know, I'm just fucking with you, Mary. Like, David Keith is the man. Like, he's been in so many things that we've loved. I remember when I first graduated from college, I went to see him in Two Trains Running. I'm like, I went to Howard University. Mm -hmm. And so straight from Howard, I went to New York, you know, to start my career. Because they say, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. So went there was blessed enough to make it there. I got a job at the Apollo Theater, but like before I really, I got there because in college, the Negro Ensemble Company and the New Federal Theater Company both came and took a look at me and they both gave me internships. So that's how I got to New York. That's how I got to your town, New Amsterdam. And then I got the job, you know, uptown, we're talking about uptown. I lived on 106 in Amsterdam. Okay. Me awesome. yeah. and Regina Hall shared an, you know, an apartment, 106 in Amsterdam. You know, the famous actress Regina Hall. Yeah. Like, that's my baby. Like, you know, we started together. Um, she was kind of she was a baby. She didn't know what she wanted, but she saw me doing it. And I think that is why I often go back to Howard. I talk at elementary schools, I teach at my son's school, I read to kids starting at like kindergarten, because I understand the concept of if you can see it, you can be it. 
You know, like we were talking about creative visualization. That's not being able to see it, but still manifesting it. Now imagine being able to see it and manifesting it. So she and I, she seeing it helped her realize, well, shit, if this motherfucker can do it, if PJ can do it, you know. What? With all due respect. With all due respect. If this bitch can do it. You know, but for real, that's a baby. That's a baby. Yeah. It's yeah. true. If I can do it, you can do it. If I'm no, I, you know, okay, granted, I had the dream. I had, I was told I had the purpose. I'm supposed to do this. But that doesn't mean that you can't too. Maybe that's my purpose. Maybe I'm John bringing in a whole bunch of Jesuses. You know, if you can look at me and say, I relate to her, I can do it. If she can do it, I can do it. I don't take that as a diss. I take that as, that is my journey. That's my purpose. And I brought so many young ladies into this game just as Jada brought me in and Vivica brought me in and Nia Long brought me in and Regina King brought me in by me seeing them do it. Yeah. I've been able to, you know, reach out and touch some of your favorite actresses today, you know, and I take it as a compliment because anytime Hollywood has a bright star that they want to win, they give them to me in some way. And, 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 you know, at first I was like, is this God doing this or is this Hollywood? But I think it's a combination of the two. Like, yeah. I've introduced um, Stormy to the world that I'm okay. very proud of. Um, yeah. One of my babies. Brandon Hammond, you know, one of my babies. There are Kyla. You know, she introduced me to the world. If you really want to know which time it is, kind of Pratt been doing it since Barney. She made she introduced Barney to the world. But yeah. being able to work with Kyla when she was young, I genuinely am proud of the woman that she's become. You know, I, I've seen some women now that were the same age as Kyla. You know, when we started working together, and her mother is a phenomenal. You know, Kyla is related to Geronimo Pratt. Like, that's her uncle. Okay, okay. So her mother has always been a phenomenal influence to me and my mother. You know, she's mom goals. But me being there and me being able to, you know, influence positively young people in their journey as well as help them act. You know, I, I am proud of the young people that have grown up that I got to touch, you know, in a beautiful way. There's always this talk about, and I, and I promise we'll ask you more Christmas questions, but there was a, a talk about diversity, right? Uh, the, the, oh, it's getting better now. There's more outlets. There's more opportunities, even though it's kind of a balance. There's a whole class, generations that struggled and opened doors for the other. What's the dynamic like? Is there a new class ready to go? Do they have more opportunities to succeed? Is it just as hard as it was when you came up? Is it the same? What's that look like for you? Oh, yes. It's a different world. It really is. For... The young people coming up and it's an international world it's more international and that's good for us in a way and then in a way it's not but i think with us being so vocal about the international changes has helped us because with streaming outlets 
there are more opportunities for more black people to work. My, you know, of course, my, my prep or not preference, I guess my, for me, the main, you know, subcategory would be black women. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot more opportunities for women of color to work. For a long time, the women of color that were chosen were European women, English women. You know, when it came time to do a prominent slave film, they cast an English girl. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, I understood that because they weren't looking at it from a personal perspective because they didn't experience it. It's like casting your enemy to play you. <laughs> and I never yeah. understood the concept. You know, you have a different mentality of what slavery means because of where you were raised in Africa. So your, your view of American black people and our journey as slaves is different than what it actually was because you didn't experience it. You, in all intents and purposes, caused it. Mm. So it wasn't fair to me that there became a time during my lifetime, we're not talking about when Roots came out and they cast all the big American stars from OJ Simpson to, you know, uh, James Earl Jones. We're not talking about that era. We're talking about talking about the era I came up in, where they began casting English girls instead of American black girls, as if we weren't worthy of the roles, you know, because we're, you know, from the urban, you know, cities or America, because we're descendant, descendants of slaves, we're not worthy of playing our, our ancestry. That bothered me. Mm -hmm. But now I'm seeing a change. I'm seeing an opportunity because there are so many different outlets for everyone to get an opportunity. I'm not saying, I'm not hating on the English girls. Right. Come on, do your thing. You guys are cold. What I'm saying is, so are we. We, talk, we talked about fame a little bit and what people are saying, but over the years, you have a little bit of a groundswell with the Proud Family work. You were at Comic-Con this year. You, wow. can't, you can't ignore people. Huge, They're huge, in your face. <laughs> What's huge. that like? That's cool. Like, I find it to be a lot more cool now that I'm settled, have a husband, have a kid. When people were in my face when I was younger and single, it was very daunting. Like, I really related to the Marilyn Monroe documentary. You know, when you're alone in this town and you're succeeding, it's lonely and scary. But, you know, now that I'm grown, I'm a big girl, I got big girl undies on, I got a husband, I got a kid. So I was good at Comic-Con. I was ready for all the people. You know, and nobody's ever in my face because nine times out of 10, it's white people and, and they don't recognize me. They're just like, oh, there's a lady. She looks familiar. How you doing, lady? It's the younger people that younger white kids, they do recognize me and they, they come up and they show me love. And it's always, you know, chill. Yeah. So Comic-Con was really, really chill for me because, you know, whereas I would have been daunted by the, the number of people because... I'm um I'm a, I'm one of those anxiety people. I have sure. dyslexia. I've got my own mental hangups. 
that it is hard for me to act in a situation where I feel uncomfortable. So what helped settle me was marriage and becoming a mother. It gave me confidence. It settled my mind. Um, I'm not running the streets in the, at the club, you know. So Comic-Con was a bucket list check. Like, yeah. I hope we're invited every year. Like, it was so much fun. It was just, I'd never experienced anything like that. I hope there comes a day, you know, it blew my mind when Beyonce dressed up like us. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to put that picture. Um, you guys think I'm playing, but I'm putting that picture over my fireplace. Like, <laughs> I want that, like, to be the centerpiece of my living room. But, you know, I saw people dressed up like Kel in Good Burger. You know, mm -hmm. I saw people dressed up like people that I love. And, you know, people that I can relate to. I always thought it was just like something that, you know, white people dressed up and, and, you know, I didn't know what it was. But when I went there and I saw black people honored as well and black people there honoring and the fact that we had been invited and we were being honored, it let me know that Comic-Con has become something m much more than it had been in the past where it was a little more exclusive i think now or else we've become we've opened our arms to the world and in return the world has opened their arms to us um yeah. i don't know but i enjoyed comic-con and i felt welcomed and loved and i wasn't nervous or anxious yeah the the, the first time i did comic-con um, okay, you... fancy pants. No, uh, no, look I at the humble, humble yeah. brag, humble no, no. brag. Well, you know, the first time I did the Comic Con, I was trying to emphasize. Humble brag. I just play it well. I love it. I love it. So go ahead. You got me. You got me. I was going to say that when someone asked for an autograph or something like that, I didn't believe them. I thought they were trying to make fun of me. I was like, no, there's no way no, that could be some other no. things and stuff like that. But you're right. There is a bit of love at Comic Con. There's so much love. Don't go bad. I was just teasing you. We're allowed to humble brag. That's yeah. the new thing. We're allowed. It's it's more acceptable than straight up like, well, I've been invited to Comic Con all the time. All the time. <laughs> Comic Con, what, CC, Comic Con, Comic Con. <laughs> no, so I appreciate a humble brag. But yeah, it um it blows your mind, doesn't it? How many when people when white boys come up to me with like layouts that I've done, you know, like random pictorials you know yeah. stuff that i'm like whoa really where'd you find this it blows my mind like i know i've got african-american fans black people right you know but it blows my mind when famous people and when white people like i don't know why but it it but at comic-con so many knew me more than not. But in California, it's yeah. like, you know, we're all stars in California. So no one asks for your your autograph in Cali. You're like, right. am I in 
So I don't know if I'm famous. It took a long time for me to figure out I was famous living in California because nobody's going to tell you because they're famous. Right. If they're a makeup artist, if they're a hairdresser, it <laughs> flow, it don't matter. We all Landlords famous. don't care if you're famous thank as long you. as the rent's paid. Thank you. I'm famous. <laughs> you know? So right. I didn't, you know, you don't get it. I don't get it on a daily basis. So going to Comic-Con, you know, people having, you know, things that I ha I did back in a, a calendar that I did back in 1995 and them asking me to sign my autograph, it blows my mind. Like, I can't believe, I, I forgot I did this. Like, and I can't believe you're up on it. Yeah. Like, where'd you get this? Etsy? Like, or eBay? I don't know where they get things, these things. But yes, I was very, I had a good time. Was there a moment where you realized you were famous? Was it like a day or was it kind of like a gradual thing? Like, oh, I guess gradual. I am. Or going to this Beverly Hills brunch spot on a Sunday. Gradual. It's <laughs> okay. very gradual. And not yeah. only is it gradual, but it's cyclical. Like, sure. one minute you're famous. And then just when you get used to it, you're not let into a club or something. They remind you, you ain't shit. You know, just right. when you get used to, you know, being famous, they turn around and cancel your show and remind you, you ain't shit. You know, just when you get used, I don't know if that's God. No, I'm feeling God, that right now. God. God. <laughs> I think that's God reminding you, you ain't shit. So, shout out to Greenleaf, y'all. Um, yeah. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, definitely shout out to Greenleaf, all my folks. Um, but I do think it's necessary to be reminded. Well, will there be an opportunity for a sequel? To a miracle before Christmas, and if so, I hope so. I, I, are you kidding me? Laz is my boy. I'm in love with Latoya Luckett. She's like six feet tall. It blew my mind. Everybody's tall to me. I was like, <laughs> everybody's tall to me. Hi, Miss Luckett. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like I was saying, Romeo's my baby. Like in. We want him to come back on the Proud Family. <laughs> so it's a no-brainer. I'll do whatever he and his dad ask me to do. The water, they've got a new water. Um, he and his dad have a new water. Water. The new water line. So, mm -hmm. yeah, Romeo is doing big things, big grown man things. So I'm just so proud of my young people. Um, so, yes, I would I'd sign me up. It's like a miracle uh, before Christmas is kind of like, a miracle on 34th Street meets um, the one Scrooge, you know, Scrooge. where the, the different. Like, it's a Wonderful yes. Life. It's I a still, Wonderful I see, Life. I see yes. some of that too, the whole yes. the, the wishing. And, yes, yeah, and yeah. the whole um, a preacher's wife. Preacher's wife, preacher's yeah. Preacher's wife with the angel. Yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a conglomerate of all the beautiful things about Christmas movies that we love. Um, that make us happy. Christmas movies, I mean, you can I can watch a Christmas movie in July and just be it just just makes me happy. So this is one of those. And December 20th is our, you know, big re-premiere, relaunch. And I'm just thankful that BET, you know, we did this independently. So for BET to come on board and see what we saw, for me to even be here with you. Yep. Is you know due to BET, and I'm thankful that I love BET. 